Okay. Wow. You have outlines on the table in front of you, pens to assist you if you don't have your own. And we're in Genesis. This is our our uh, study. We we just started last week. So if you weren't here, uh, we aren't very far along. So um, that'll be fine. Are we still recording these? Does anybody know? Or Vicky's in the kitchen. I don't. I think they're recorded. Okay. So if you want to go back and hear last week's, uh, if you'll call the office, call Vicky. She'll tell you how to how to make that happen. Oh, it's on the website. I only work here. I don't know, you know. I'll tell you. It's on the church website. I think it's under resources in the same area where the sermons are. You can find it on there. Okay, thanks, Craig. Well, let's pray, and then we're going to begin today with a Roman numeral number. Uh, well, it's my Roman numeral number, too. It's not yours. I didn't put Roman numerals. I, I was so embarrassed the other day. I did some Roman numerals for another class I'm teaching, and I did one of them wrong, and somebody said, I think maybe, and I looked at it, and I thought, oh, my word, I'm just not going to do that anymore. <laughs> that was an elementary mistake. But uh, anyway, we're at the, uh, under the threefold emphasis in verses 1 and 2, God, universe, earth, we're at universe. So that's where we're going to start after I pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your greatness. Father, when we read about creation, we are utterly amazed and and um, it, it's it's just amazing to think of of the beauty of your creation and how you did it so lovingly and graciously and powerfully and you have created this world for us to enjoy and to bring glory to your name and we thank you for that so bless our study today that it'll be profitable and helpful and thank you for all who've come and use the food to strengthen and nourish our bodies in Christ's name amen Let me read the first two verses of Genesis again, just to get it in front of us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we'll stop there. We talked about God last time. Now let's talk about the universe from verse 1. The word... Let me get my marker here. You know what happened last week when I used a marker? You remember? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the word created is a word, Hebrew word, bara. B-A-R-A, bara. Um, it's used in, in the scripture only of God. God created. Only God creates. Man can make, but only God creates. Uh, it's used in Genesis 1 of God creating the universe, God creating animate life, and God creating man. It says that uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that uh, there's a Hebrew term for that. It's called mirism, M-E-R-I-S-M, mirism. And uh, that means a statement of two opposites that indicate a totality. So you've got heaven and earth, those as opposites, and it, it makes a totality, meaning God did it all. He created the heavens and the earth. In other words, everything that was created was created uh, by God. So the sense is God created the, the cosmos, 
Uh, God created everything there is in all creation. Uh, perhaps you've heard the name Stephen Hawking, the brilliant uh, theoretical physicist. Some have said the most brilliant since Einstein, and I would have no way of evaluating that except to say, I, uh, okay, that sounds true to me. In his best-selling book, A Brief History of Time, here's what he says. Our galaxy is an average-size spiral galaxy that looks to other galaxies like a swirl in a pastry roll. And it is over 100,000 light years across, about 600 trillion miles. And you think it's a long way to clean. (laughs) He says, we now know that our galaxy is only one of some 100,000 million that can be seen using modern telescopes, that, that can be seen, not counting what we, we may not be able to see, at least yet. Each galaxy itself containing some 100,000 million stars. Now, if this is beginning to stagger you, that's why I'm reading this. It is commonly held that the average distance between these 100,000 million galaxies, each 600 trillion miles across and containing 100,000 million stars is 3 million light years. Wow. On top of that, the work of Edwin Hubble, heard of Hubble telescope? Uh, The Edwin Hubble, based on the Doppler effect, has shown that all red spectrum galaxies are moving away from us and nearly all of the galaxies are red. Thus, the universe is constantly expanding, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Some estimates say that the most distant galaxy is 8 billion light years away and racing away at 200 million miles an hour. And the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I, I, I get that information from Hawking. I, I do not know if he would agree that God did it, but I love the statistics and the immensity of the universe. Now, think about, not only did God create all of that, but God created every speck of dust in the 100,000 million galaxies of the universe. He created every atom. He created the sub-microscopic solar systems named quarks and leptons and electrons and neutrinos, which are all, they have no measurable size. They're all so small, there's no measurable size. And he did it all. Genesis magnifies the greatness of our God. And as we'll observe in a moment, not only is God relating, not only is Moses relating how God created, but he's also one by one by one defeating and obliterating the gods of the nations that surrounded the children of the Exodus. Because they had gods of the sky, gods of the earth, gods of light, gods of darkness 
God's for everything, and in one fell swoop, Moses obliterates them all. Now, the awesomeness of creation is seen again and again and again in Scripture. I can't help myself, so I'm going to read some. I want to read a few. Job, write these down. Read them later. Job 38. Job, bless his heart, I, man, I sympathize with him, but he was kind of, Job was grousing. You know, all he'd been through, and, and if I'd been through that, I might have groused too, but he's grousing and questioning God. So, so God says in the 38th chapter, he spoke to Job out of the storm and said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. <laughs> okay, God is being a little bit sarcastic with, with, with Job. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who, who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set, set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no farther? Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have, have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? I could go on forever. Just, let me just say, you go and read Job 38 for yourself and marvel at, at the beautiful, picturesque story that we have there. Psalm uh, 19, the 19th, uh, the 19th Psalm. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of His hands. Did you get up early this morning? Did you go out and look? You know what I'm talking about? The blood, red, blue, moon, whatever. Once in a blue moon, you know where that saying comes from, don't you? You know, only once in a while do we have two full moons in one month. That happened last night. That's where the term once in a blue moon comes from. The red moon, the, the eclipse, all three rolled into one. The red moon, it, the moon was closer to us last night than at any other time in the year, several thousand miles closer to us. So it was definitely bigger if you, if you looked at it. And the, I didn't get to see, I went out to see the eclipse. It hadn't started yet and I, I got busy and didn't go back out. So I'm sorry I missed it, but I saw the size, particularly last night when it was rising. It was like, whoa. That thing's big. So, you know, God made it. Chapter uh, Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. We'll look at that in a moment. For he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. That's Psalm 33, um, verse 6 and 9. Um, Psalm 136. Awesome psalm. I suppose they all are, but give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His love endures uh, forever. Let, let me go down. Here we go. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, 
His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, His love endures forever. This is a choral reading, or um, what do we used to call those things in the back of the hymnal? Responsive readings, yeah. Who made the great lights, His love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, His love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, His love endures forever. Read it. 136 Psalm. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, verse 18. For this is what the Lord says, He who created the heavens, He is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, He founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Now, the Hebrew didn't have punctuation, but if it had, it would have put a period there, just like the English does. Period. I am the Lord and there is no other. Period. Now, One more, and then we'll get back to the first two verses. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verses 25 and 26. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. He gave all the stars names. Man thinks he's named some of them. God's got them all. He named every one of them. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. He hadn't lost track of any of them. I just like, whoa, this is too much for me. All right. The, the force of Genesis 1, and it is a forceful statement. The force of Genesis 1 was not lost on the children of the Exodus. When I say the children of the Exodus, I'm not talking about the three-year-olds. I'm talking about all of Israel. They're the children of the Exodus. They have, that, this is when Moses was writing all of this, and particularly because the children of Israel would have been asking questions. How did we get there? Why were we there? Who did all this? Who's leading us? Where does this pillar of cloud by, by day and this pillar of fire by night, where does all this come from? So Moses relating all of it in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, on it goes. Can't go back and revisit that, but you remember last week. All right, so this is not lost on the children of the Exodus. Looking into the night sky, and they would have seen more than we see in Belton. We see more than they see in Dallas, but they saw more than we see in our town. Looking into the night sky, they saw and heard the song of an omnipotent, creator who cares for his people and they were seeing the care visually demonstrated in their lives how we need to rise above the congestion of our existence and see our creator our cosmic caregiver okay so we've talked about god we've talked about the universe so let's talk about the earth so look again at verse two now the earth was formless and empty Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Uh, the, the Hebrew uh, for the words without form or formless and void or formless and empty, the Hebrew term for that is, is a rhythmic term, tohu wabohu, tohu wabohu. That's, that's the Hebrew rhythmic term for that. It, tohu, T-O-H-U would be how we'd put it into English. T-O-H-U, W-A-B-O-H-U, 
W-A-B-O-H-U, two words, tohu wabohu, is a common expression for any place that is disordered or empty. Maybe like your child's bedroom, uh, you know, disordered or empty and therefore uninhabitable. Yeah, that makes sense too, doesn't it? The very opposite of what the earth would be like after the six days of creation. Tohu wabohu. Now, spread, this, this is to me just, whoa. I mean, this whole thing just boggles my mind. Spread over the uninhabitable earth was darkness. And this served to emphasize its emptiness. The darkness is impenetrable to man, but transparent to God. Because it says in the 139th Psalm and the 12th verse, Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Psalm 139, 12. God was there. And under the darkness covering the earth was the deep, the primeval ocean. The Creator first prepared for Himself the raw material with a view to giving it afterwards ordered life, which is what he's about to do. Now, here's what I find exciting. And I don't remember when I first, when I first read this and understood it and, and doing some research on it. And maybe you haven't thought of it this way, so I'm going to share it with you. Above this primeval ocean floated or hovered the beauty of the Spirit of God, because it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's the same word, hovering, hovering over, is the same word that's used in Hebrew, uh, Deuteronomy, excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 11 that's set like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. So picture an eagle or bird hovering over the nest or hovering over its young. And that's the same picture that Moses is giving us of God, the Spirit of God, hovering over the primeval earth. So picture the Spirit of God hovering. And the Spirit then hovers, the Spirit of God hovers, flutters, like we would say a bird flutters, in preparation for day one. God's creative breath hovered over the water and on day one, his breath would come forth as speech, his word. I refer you to Psalm 33, 6. You can jot that down. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. I have confessed to you for 29 and a half years that I feel as if I have a peanut brain. 
It is too awesome and amazing for me to get my arm around all of that. It boggles my imagination. But get the picture here of the Spirit being to God's Word as breath is to speech. Now, Paul likens this to what God does in us. So let me digress for just a second to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So Paul is telling us that what God does in our hearts through the Spirit is like unto what He did at creation. Woo, man, okay. So just as the Spirit of God fluttered over the dark waters, so He does over the dark hearts of humanity, preparing us for the Word of God that will then make us into a new creation in Christ Jesus. Okay. Now, God created the heaven and the earth, and if He did that, He can make you new as well. In the beginning was God. In the end, God will be. And Genesis is about God, the universe, and you. And Genesis is about grace, as we observed last week. Now, in the little time we have remaining, I want us to see that the earth is formed. So let's look at verse 3. And I want you to try to capture the majesty of the verses that I'll read today. I'll only read through verse 13. and We won't even get that far, but we'll get started. Verse 3, and God said, remember hovering over the waters, and God spoke the breath of his mouth, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a, be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Verse 9. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that will bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. So we'll stop there. As you read this text and continue to read through the rest of the chapter, remember to be gracious. Do not be arrogant. 
like with Revelation, for those who were with me in that study, it is possible to be Bible-believing, evangelical, and conservative, and still have differing views on God's creating the universe to a degree. So, I'll go over that in a minute. John Calvin and Louis Burkhoff, two very well-known theologians, view the days of creation as six literal days. Six 24-hour solar days, 144 hours. Augustine, Aquinas, Charles Hodge, B.B. Warfield, Gresham Machen, Donald Gray Barnhouse, Francis Schaeffer, do not believe they are six solar 24-hour days. They have other views of that, some of which we'll talk about in a few minutes. So when I hear names like that of men who are so much smarter and godlier than me, I'm not going to pick a fight with them if I don't happen to agree with exactly what they say and hope they won't with me. So we're going to be gracious, just like we were in Revelation. So I'm now going to give you six views of the six days all of which are conservative and evangelical. I can give you the liberal view pretty quickly, but we won't do that yet. Six views of the six days. View number one, the 24-hour solar day view that says God created the earth in six, in 144 hours. Six 24-hour days. That's view number one. View number two is what is called a punctuated view. That is, God did what he did in 24 hours of a day, but separated the days by indefinite periods of time. That's called a punctuated view. Number three is the gap view, or the gap theory. That view believes that there is a gap between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Stop. Gap. Long period of time followed by verse 2. And that view says there was a primeval rebellion that took place between verses 1 and 2. And the creation story of chapter 1, verse 3 and following, some of which we just read, was the remaking of the heaven and earth after the rebellion. That's the gap view. Okay, still with me? View, view number 4 is the day-age view. That meaning a day represents a geological age or ages. Day can mean millions and millions of years, geological age. So that's the day-age view. Number five is called the framework view. That the days are really a literary device to convey the truth that God created all that we see and was not intended to mean six consecutive 24-hour days. And the last, number six, is what's called the analogical day view. That is that the days are God's work days. In other words, day one, that was God's work day. We don't have any idea how long it was. Day two, another work day of God's. Don't know how long it was, so on. So those are six views. Then there are other views, uh, evolutionary views. Some would say God kind of kicked it off and then stood back and just let it happen. Um, others would say God, if he existed, had nothing to do at all with creation. 
And some say there isn't a God and this all just happened by chance, evolutionary process, whatever. And those views can't be supported from Scripture, obviously. Now, let's examine the Scripture and see what the Bible says. So I want us to notice, first of all, the beauty of Moses' words. And I'll do just a smidgen, and then that's, that's, uh, that's where we'll have to stop. But obviously, next week's pretty important. So come back. The beauty of Moses' word. Frankly, I just want to tell you, his words are majestic. These words are beyond majestic. I want you to look at their arrangement. The six days of creation. You might not notice this, just casual reading of Scripture. Maybe you've never even heard this before. Maybe you have. The six days of creation are perfectly divided. The first three days are the forming of the earth. The last three days are the filling of the earth. If you pay close attention as you're reading it, you'd catch that. Yeah, oh, that's right, I see that. Forming and filling. The two sets of days fix the opening statement without form and void. So the two sets of days fix that problem. So there's the forming and the filling. The formlessness is remedied in days 1, 2, and 3, and the emptiness is remedied in days 4, 5, and 6. And there is a correspondence between days 1 through 3 and 4 through 6. And I don't mean that they were writing letters to each other. I mean it's, it, there is a correspondence, a fitting together of days 1 through 3 and days 4 through 6. So that's probably a good place to stop because now I have to turn and do some writing on the board and I, I really couldn't get it done before time's up. So we'll start there next week. What is the correspondence between the two sets of days? I'm glad you asked, but that's where we'll start with day one corresponding to day four. So look at this as your homework. Day one corresponds to day four. Day two corresponds to day five. Day three corresponds to day six. And if you read that this week, you'll catch that, and you'll see the beautiful balance. Oh, and there's so much more. I mean, this, this passage is absolutely magnificent in the way, it, the way it's all put together. But remember this. You may hear someone say, well, this is poetry. No, it is not poetry. Poetry. It's narrative. In the Hebrew, it is narrative. Story. It is a story. From beginning. So it's not poetry in like Moses was making something poetic, uh, allegorical, or whatever view of, of creation. This is a narrative. It's a story, and it's a factual story. And that's how Moses told it, and that's how the children of Israel have understood it. This is not myth. This is the real meal deal about how we got here and how God did it. So enough for today. We'll start there next week, and I really appreciate you coming. Someone said, I missed last week, and I hear I only missed two verses. Well, you really didn't even miss all of that. So, um, I, you know, I think when we get to some of the great stories 
uh, we'll go. We'll be able to go a little faster. But this, you really can't race through the creation. It's too important. There's too much there. So we're purposefully going slowly in chapters one, two, and three, and then we'll maybe accelerate a little bit thereafter. Okay. Thank you. Father, thank you. You are so good to us. We thank you for the magnificent, incredible story of the creation. And we anticipate with eagerness continuing to study and dig into uh, the, the book of Genesis. Bless each of us as we leave here and go to our workplaces or back to our homes or wherever we may go. Keep us safe in the palm of your hand. And I pray that our lives will bring glory and honor to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Thank you.